James chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Where do wars and fighting uh, come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Verse 6, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so, as we begin, we're going to pick up, we, we looked already at the first several verses, but as we begin, James has been dealing with division in the church. The wars are quarrels and strife, and it began, uh, it began to be common in the church. And as he was dealing with this division in the church, uh, one of the things that I want to point out is division in the church started early in its history. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, Peter uh, preached a powerful message and the church began to grow. Matter of fact, at the end of chapter 2, it says that uh, 3,000 people were added uh, to the church that day. These new believers were steadfast and, and growing in, in the doctrine of the Lord and breaking of bread and fellowship and all these other things. But what happened as the church began to grow, they needed more help. And so they appointed what was called deacons or leaders in the church and all to help with things. And people were coming from all different walks of life and, and uh, there, persecution started happening in the church. People were being arrested and, and beaten and forbidden to, forbidden, excuse me, to speak in Jesus' name. But instead of closing their mouth, many of them rejoiced that they suffered for Jesus. They didn't stop preaching, but it energized them to continue to do so. And there was division from outside the church. There was this persecution, but then eventually division started happening within the church. And so these deacons, these leaders were formed. Why? Because carnality or fleshly or people's own desires and expectations of what the church should be began to, to come from within. He said that there were wars and fights among them, and he rebuked them for this. The fact is, love for Jesus results in unity, not competitive division among believers. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Or Romans 12, 18 says, if, if, if possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So faith in Jesus can result in a, a division, division between friends, because maybe one person's going to seek the Lord and the other doesn't want to. Any. And so all of a sudden, if you were here Wednesday, we started talking about friendship. And I was talking about how eventually you either grow together or when two people are heading in two different directions, your, your relationship, your friendship is just naturally going to grow apart. Matthew 10, verse 34 through 36, Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. The division that was happening 
was within the church, Christians and those who reject Jesus. People can resent having friends leave them. Isn't it interesting because you can even have friends in the church that actually want more of Jesus and your other friend who's from church, you met here at church, whatever, that doesn't want that much of Jesus, they're like, oh, you, you know, this is too much. Like, you, you're spending too much time with God, and all you do is want to talk about God anymore and all this other stuff. And it's like, and, and you're kind of tripping out. It's like, well, we met at church. Like, yeah, finally getting it. You're right. You know, like, I didn't understand it like I once, uh, now I do. And so this division is a result of Christians being rejected by non-believers. And so the Bible says this, that Paul identified this kind of contentions. He says that the works of the flesh were evident, Galatians 5. He says that they are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this unity, the unity the Bible talks about, that love for Jesus. Yesterday I had the privilege of doing a wedding for a couple that I just met. I didn't really know them. And uh, when uh, the bride uh, turned the corner and came out from, uh, it was at a ballroom up in uh, Upland, and when the bride came around the corner and stuff, and um, the groom was very, very emotional. And it was kind of, it was cool because everyone's watching. And uh, he kept putting his head down because he was getting very emotional and stuff. And his mom's like, look at her, look at her. And, 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 and he's looking and he's just losing it. And, and, uh, and so it's just a beautiful thing. But this love, this, this couple who uh, grew up in a different faith, a different religion, have, have uh, been spending time with the Lord now for just over a year and have, have really come to understand what love is when it comes to Christ, when it comes to Christ loving them, when it comes to them loving each other and, and things like that, where what they knew of religion before was rituals, was, you know, we do certain things and we don't do certain things, but it was never deep as far as their faith or anything. It was just simply we, we were religious. And so... Uh, they were excited to get married and put Christ the center of their family and all this other stuff. And for me, it was a blessing to be a part of that. And so I read to them 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 8, about love. It's patient, it's kind, it's long-suffering. This is, this is the definition that God gives us of love, His love for us and our love for each other. And, and so when we look at that, though, because a lot of people have such a misunderstanding of either love the definition of love or God's love for us or expectations from the church. And we get into verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. James pointed out that instead of judgment, God actually provides his grace. Without his grace, the church would never accomplish what it is uh, intended to do. And you think about it, that God changes lives. He transforms our lives from us being sinners, separated from God, being at, at war with God, being enemies of God, then he says, no longer is that true. He calls us friend, he brings us close, and he says, I have something incredible for you. And yet it requires humility to receive that grace. 
and, and this, this grace, God's favor, God's divine pleasure. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Lord, our Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this, Sin seeks to enter, grace shuts the door. Sin tries to get the mastery, but grace, which is stronger than sin, resists and will not permit it. Sin gets us down at times, but... Uh, and, and puts its foot on our neck, grace comes to the rescue. Sin comes up like Noah's flood, but grace rides over the tops of the mountains like the ark. You know, it made me think about the fact like growing up, my little brother and I, we used to fight a lot and pick on each other or whatnot. And uh, when he would run down the hall or something and I'd chase him um, or vice versa, like one of us would run into a room and, and, and close the door and then you put your body against the door, right? Because you don't want them to come in. Or what I used to do, and it used to hurt, but I would, I would get there before he can close the door, and I put my foot in the way. So I put my foot in the door jam, so he can't close the door all the way. And so now I'm using my body, and my foot is all practically breaking because it's like slamming it on it. But, you know, the whole thing is like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get you or whatever. And I used to punch him uh, all the time and give him Charlie horses in his leg and stuff. And... Um, but until he got bigger and then he'd do it back to me and stuff. But the whole thing is like, I'm coming after you, right? So we would run down the hall or, or vice versa and things like that, try to get away. Well, the Bible is telling us that the enemy comes in and wants to destroy us. And it comes in and, and tries to, to capture us. And, and when we try to get away, we feel like, oh, we can't get away. But the Bible's clear that when we resist, God it says, He says, resist the God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The word resist means to, to range in battle against, to oppose. And so when it says, But God gives grace to the humble, it isn't as if our, our humility earns the grace of God. Humility merely puts us in a position to receive the gift. Where we can receive, the Bible says this in 1 John verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When you learn how to do things, when you learn how to battle spiritually, when you learn how to uh, stand up for your faith, you don't have to be lured in uh, from worldly things when Satan holds them before you. Again, I often liken this to fishing and stuff like, um, I follow guys that, that fish on YouTube and, and, you know, if you know anything about fishing, it can be boring, but praise God for YouTube because they edit it. So it's like they're constantly catching. So this guy that I follow who's in uh, Florida, he was out fishing for, for tuna and mahi-mahi and stuff. And they found a school of fish and stuff and, and, and where all these tuna were, were feeding. And so what they were doing was one of the guys in the, uh, there was, the guys were fishing, throwing out their line. But another guy was just cutting up bait and throwing it out there. So the fish were eating. And so when the guys threw out their line, the fish naturally jumped on that because there was all this other food, if you would, in the water. And so these fish don't know any different. They don't know that there's a hook uh, hiding underneath some of this bait. And yet there was. And yet 
and so they're catching all these fish and, and all that. And I'm like, oh, that looks so fun, right, to catch these big old tunas and mahi-mahi and all that stuff. And they, they do what's called a catch, clean, and cook, right? So catch them, come home, show them, cleaning them up, and then they cook it. The enemy comes in and wants to destroy us. And he wants to show us that we can't be victorious. And what we often do is we stop making time for God. And I often tell you guys that um, th those of you in high school, the ones I worry about, well, I worry about all of you and your walks with God, but especially those of you juniors and seniors, because then you get busy. You get busy with homework. You get busy with school. You get busy with sports. You get busy with uh, social life. You get busy with, you know, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, with you're working and you're missing church because I had to work tonight or I had to work this morning or whatever it might be. You had homework. If any of you were like me, I, I used to procrastinate all the time. And then it's like, I have to miss church while I, while I have a paper due. Well, how long did you know that you had to do that paper? Well, probably all semester, but it's not due until like tomorrow. So like, why would I work on it any sooner? One time, one time I'm in college. I had a 10-page paper due the next day, and we were in the jacuzzi till like 10 o'clock at night. I hadn't started the paper, but the jacuzzi felt good. It was a cool night. But, <laughs> so, but here's the thing. All of a sudden, you're like missing things. You're missing things, and, and you're missing church and stuff, the place where you come to get equipped, the, 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 the place where you come to have fellowship and all the stuff and spend time with God. But you're not, you're not being equipped, and, and you're missing uh, training. Ephesians Chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not war against the flesh and, uh, and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be, vis be vigilant, excuse me, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I've had, uh, I've been in some training classes in the past, as some of you have heard. And in these training classes was, uh, my instructors in these classes would say things like, when they go to restaurants, they, they would have to, uh, and some of you maybe have parents or in law enforcement or different things, where they'd say, we need a booth or someplace where my back's not to the door, right? So uh, these guys would talk about whenever they, go to restaurant stuff, their family knows like they have to be able to sit in a place where they can see the entire surroundings, right? Because their law enforcement background and their military training teaches them to always have a lookout for uh, anything, right? Uh, I was sharing last service and I, I think it's important to, like <clears throat> most stores right now, right? They don't let people uh, sell things in front of the stores, a lot of them. They, they ask the people to leave. And so what happened is a lot of those people left the front of the store and they just wandered through the parking lot. And so uh, I mentioned last service, ladies, uh, I, I've told you this before, but it bears repeating, please, if you're walking in the parking lot from a car or something, please don't be on your phone. I, I share this as a, as a friend, as a father, as all these things. Please be aware of your surroundings. I think it's wise because a lot of those people selling candy and stuff are or through drug and al alcohol and abuse programs and stuff. And so these people, we don't know their background. And there's, no, I don't want to buy a pixie stick, right? So they want to say these long, tall pixie sticks, right? Like, it's kind of weird that some adult is wandering through the parking lot selling candy to, anyway. Oh, <laughs> next thing you know, you're in a van and 
anyway, no, but, <laughs> but you have to be aware of your surroundings, right? I mean, have you ever been on your phone and not paying attention, and then all of a sudden, somebody's like, hey, and you're like, oh, I didn't see you. And, and this is the whole thing, right, where the devil comes in and creeps in, and he's like, listen, this is why he says in, in 1 Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, he walks around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, and, and so the, the idea is, for us as believers, if we're not paying attention, if we're not aware of our surroundings, then all of a sudden we're going to find ourselves pulled away from God and, and not doing well in our walk and our faith and all these other things. Why? Because we, we didn't realize that the enemy was even around us. And we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we took things lightly. See, the devil seeks to entice us to find fulfillment in worldly things by lying to us and telling us that we can find all the contentment and joy and happiness and things that we desire. And again, it isn't that it's having nice things is wrong, but it's that these things now occupy our time and our minds over the things of the Lord. See, Satan's appeal is so strong because he appeals to that which we're interested in, the things that we desire. And he occupies our time and our lives and things like that. And, and, and the thing is, I want to tell you guys, in your life, like when it comes to the things that you do, how much time do you spend time with the Lord in comparison to talking with friends, playing on an app, hanging out, you know, uh, doing selfies, doing these things, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, even sports, school, this thing, that thing. We, we make time for everything, but then we say, oh, I, I, I was going to read today. You ever done this? I've done this. I meant to read my Bible today, but I got too busy. <laughs> right? We do things like that. Like, I was going to pray. I was going to spend time with God today. And I, I purposed the day before, like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do better. And tomorrow I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, tomorrow comes. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I... I I just remembered I needed to clean my room. I needed to do this. I needed to do that. And, and then I went to school or I had sports or I had work. And then by the time you get home and get to bed, you're exhausted. And you realize, like, the one thing I meant to do today was read my Bible. I told myself, don't go to bed without reading. Now I'm, now I'm in bed and I'm so exhausted. There's no way I could read right now. I'll just do it tomorrow. And what happens with that, it might seem like no big deal. But what happens is, little bit by little bit. And, and for those of you who work out or have worked out in the past, you know it's, it's kind of like that. Like uh, before I had COVID, I was going to the gym consistently four or five days a week. Now I've been back to the gym like four or five times since I've been back from COVID. Like it's hard to get there. And, and, and again, getting there once you're consistent is one thing, but getting back in the groove and stuff, and I tried to like ride the bike like I do, or I did the stair stepper a couple weeks ago or last week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, like just the moving stairs. And I'm like, oh, I don't ever want to do that again. But when you haven't done it in a long time and you're out of shape, oh, it's the worst. Because <laughs> then after it, when you get home, you like feel good for a minute. And then the next day you're like, what did I do? And you, but if you don't stay consistent and you're not on your guard, and I think this is one of the things when it comes to, because then comes division in the church. Where does the division come from? Because somebody is feeling like they're being judged. They're feeling like, oh, you know, somebody else thinks they're better than me or whatever it might be. And all this stuff comes in our minds. So what does he tell us to do? 
Submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And then we draw near to God. When we submit, means to put ourselves under or subject ourselves to the Lord. Since God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, we should submit uh, to him instead of resisting God. We submit ourselves to God. God, I, I voluntarily put myself under your will, under your plan, and, and I yield myself to you. But it's when we do that that we're able to resist the devil, that we're able to withstand, that we're able to oppose, to, to stand against. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Or Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says, My brethren, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And again, if you haven't done something in a while, then you have to kind of get back into the groove of it, right? Does it make sense? Like I was mentioning working out and, and, and things. And so when it's coming to, to training, to defend yourself, to be on your guard against the enemy, when you haven't read your Bible in a long time, you might feel like, I don't remember verses. I don't remember, like, I, I have a hard time with my walk. And the enemy wants us to feel like that, like, oh, we're so far from God. But submitting to God will keep you from yielding and drawing the, the draw of the devil and pulling away. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. In other words, he's saying, listen, the, the more I want to get to know the Lord, the better I am. I am. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sore? says, as it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. So why do we submit to God? We submit to God because he created us. We submit to God because his rule is good for us. We submit to God because all resistance to him is, is empty or futile. We submit to God because it's absolutely necessary for salvation. And we submit to God because it's the only way to have peace with God. I don't want to fight Him anymore. I don't want to be against God anymore. And when I surrender and say, God, okay, not my will, your will be done, He brings peace. I allow His grace in, His comfort and all these things. But again, when we're fighting God, we all of a sudden will find ourselves fighting other people. This warfare between your flesh and your spirit, well, there's three things I want to bring up when it concerns spiritual life and spiritual warfare. They're the three R's, the recognizing, the resisting, and the rejoicing. Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So the recognition that there's a spiritual side of this, that spirits do exist, and, and they're after us. Again, recognizing the enemy coming in. Um... Being on your guard, understanding that there, there's somebody out there, something out there wanting to destroy you and pull you away from God. Pull your, listen, how's it work? You get hurt at church, hurt by friends, emotions, feelings, all that other stuff. And, and all of a sudden, it's like the enemy gets in. And to me, it's almost like a, I liken it almost like a splinter. Splinters aren't necessarily that bad. 
depending on where they come in, right? Unless it goes underneath your nail or something. But the thing with the splinter is you got to get that whole thing out once it gets in because it gets under your skin and it causes this irritation, which could lead to infection and all that stuff. And it's small. But it's the same thing when it comes to our hearts and our minds being irritated by people's sin, our own sin, division with our friends and other things. And with that comes, all of a sudden, we're backing off. I don't want to be at church because, uh, you know, the kids in the youth group and, you know, they say this and the leaders aren't nice and this and, and all this other stuff. We allow it to fester. That recognition, though, because some of this is a spiritual fight. Some of this is the fact that the enemy is trying to pull you away from God. I'm not saying that people aren't wrong sometimes and that it's okay to get hurt and things like that. I'm not implying that at all. But what I am saying is the enemy wants to use those things to pull us away from God. The next is resisting. The word resist, as I mentioned, means to stand against. To stand against the devil. And when we do this, we put on the whole armor of God and we stand because we're guarding our mind, we're guarding our hearts, we, we have the belt of truth, our feet are prepared for battle, resisting. Listen, with God on our side, we can clobber the enemy. With God on our side, we can win. Have you ever watched like a, um, a pre-fight for like with MMA guys or whatever, or boxing, what they'll do is like they'll weigh in or something and then they'll go stand like face-to-face, toe-to-toe with each other, right? And inevitably, one of the guys has got to push the other, right, or whatever. Sometimes they're cool, and, 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 and but other times they usually have like somebody from the, the MMA committee or, or whatever standing in the middle like with their arm out, like, don't get too close, guys. This isn't the fight. Be cool, whatever. And then what happens when they push each other is then a lot of times the trainers and the people in each corner gets involved, right? And again, this is just like on a weigh-in uh, and, and a photo shoot thing. And they get all crazy. And so all of a sudden, now their trainers are fighting each other and everyone's getting involved and stuff. It's like, no, you're not going to push our guy and stuff. And so people, then the whole, both teams or both sides are fighting and things like that. And there's just chaos. And that's to make a good fight, right, at the thing. But the whole thing behind it is win or lose, this is our corner. This is our corner. We're going to back our guy. And so that's this mindset. The thing is, is God's like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm going to help you fight. I'm going to equip you for battle, and I'm going to help you fight, and I'm going to help you resist the, the enemy. But the problem is, oftentimes, is we don't allow him to help us fight. We don't equip ourselves. We walk out without our armor. Again, can you imagine... Today, it's the Rams against the Titans, I heard. I was talking to Jacob. He's going to the game later. And he was saying about the game. We were talking about the game and, and stuff. And can you imagine a quarterback not having pads on or a helmet on? Oh, I just figured I didn't need them. The helmet gets in my way. <laughs> helmet saved your life, fool. <laughs> because almost every play, a quarterback gets sacked, even if he doesn't get sacked, right? The, your gear helps save your life. Your gear helps you. And yet, if you think you don't need it, 
you're, it's, you're ridiculous. But it, depending on your position, you might also have, and, and how long you played it and what your body's gone through, knee braces, elbow braces, all these, you know, the, the gloves now, right? Things like that. Like, they utilize these things because they know what's best for them. For you and I, if we utilize what's best for us in our walks with God, He's going to strengthen us and help us through everything. So how do we do that? How do we equip ourselves and do that? Well, verse 8, we submit to God first. Verse 7, we resist the devil and we draw near to God. When we draw near to God, it's an invitation and a promise. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So what do we do? Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 I, I, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do we have to do? We have to draw near to God. How? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me when you find me, when you search for me with your whole heart. So what does that mean? It means we draw near to God with worship and praise and prayer. We pray. We, 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 put, we spend time in worship. The next thing is we draw near to God by asking counsel from Him. God, what is it you have for me? What's the direction you want me to go? What is it that you would, as you're leading me? I want to walk in your ways. And so God, teach me, show me. We draw near to God and enjoying communion with God. One of the things I like to do, as you guys know, is like sit at the beach. I can sit at the beach all day long. Well, if I have a covering, I'm white. No, um, I can sit at the beach all day long and just watch the waves break and listen to the ocean and all that stuff. I, one of the, my favorite things is even at night. You guys know that if you've been by the water at night and just when the, you can't see the waves coming, but then they break and then you hear it and then you just see the white water and stuff. Or if you're down by like Huntington Pier on a clear night and then you look towards Long Beach and see all the lights and stuff or San Clemente Pier and you just look down the coast and stuff and you see the lights and it's just a beautiful serenity. Yeah, like it's just this, the calming, it calms me, you know, and I love those things. Or if you're in the mountains and you have a cool lookout spot and you could see far or whatever, you're just like, this is beautiful. Or have you ever been in the mountains and had a campfire or something like that? It's just this calming thing, right? And what happens to me oftentimes, I'm sitting there and it's like, I find myself like just kind of in a, in a daze, just tripping out like, Lord, this is, it's relaxing, right? Then I'm always, then all of a sudden I find myself like, God, thank you for this. All of a sudden, like I find myself praying, like, thank you for my family. Thank you for, why? Because I'm kind of grateful for the moment, enjoying God's creation, thinking about God, and my mind is on something about God and then it causes at least for me causes me to pray causes me to think about God what are things that I'm grateful for thankful for all that stuff so again enjoying this communion with God as I'm enjoying his creation as I'm out there just cruising um, and then draw near to God in just simply a general course or uh, in every day of our life when we draw near to God it's like I have to move forward God I want to move forward i want to grow in my walk i want to learn from you and so there's people there's men like that have gone before us or women and that that have stronger walks and i 
I love to listen and watch. And this week, starting tomorrow, I'm going to a, a pastor's conference for most of the week. I'll be here Wednesday, but uh, we'll be at a pastor's conference. And I love those kinds of things to learn from people who've gone before us who have insight, that have sought God to give us a Bible study or, or whatever. And, and so I want to listen. I listen because what is it that I can grow and learn from these things? And that's why we take notes, and this is why we do these things. But we draw near to God because He helps us to become pure. We draw near to God because it helps us resist the devil. We draw near to God because it helps us to, uh, to hate sin. We draw near to God and it helps us speak well of people. Again, when we have peace in our heart, we're not going to be bitter towards people. We're not going to just constantly be belittling people, tearing people down. See, God wants us to be concerned with Him and with spiritual things. He knows that the worldly things which tempt us would only leave us dissatisfied. And so we grow and we put ourselves in the hands of the Lord. The Bible says this in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mine. <coughs> he says, For whatever man sows, that he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit good things, then you're going to reap good things. But see, here's the thing. Um, I was sharing, like, uh, things that occupy my time sometimes are, are apps, games. And like years ago, I was playing Candy Crush, and I was like, I'm on level, I don't know. Uh, I'm like, I got to delete it. I had to delete it from my phone because it was just one of those things where it was like, I, I do it just to kill brain cells and, and, and waste time. And, and uh, now I just play one game, you know, it's called Wudoko or something like that, where it's like, it's kind of like Tetris, but the things don't turn and you got to, uh, anyway. Uh, but it, it just, it's kind of fun. And, and takes a little brain thought, but the whole thing is this. I do that because I don't want to watch TV. Because I turn on Netflix or something, and, and I don't know if you've noticed this, if you have Netflix or whatever, or, or Amazon Prime. Almost any, everything anymore is like TVMA. And, and, and it's like I don't want to watch stuff that's TVMA. And, and it might be mainly cursing. Well, I don't need that in my mind. I don't want to see that. Or it might be violence, or it might have some nudity, or it might this and that. And we can make excuses. Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, this is it, it's cool. Somebody else said it was good. Like, oh, and so what we do is we'll say, well, it only has a, a little bit of this, or a little bit of that. Well, a little bit's enough. A little bit's too much. And, and so... I find myself turning off the TV or whatever. But it's not even that. On regular TV, it's commercial. There's shows I've seen on Netflix or on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, this was on channel, this was on regular TV? What? Because I haven't seen regular TV in a long time, right? And I'm like, this was a, this is like a regular TV show? See, I used to watch like NCIS. That was like my show before, <laughs> you know, like the different ones, LA and, Anyway, but it's like things get so bad. The humor gets so foul. And, and you know what? We, we blow it off like it's not a big deal. And really, I'm finding out more than ever, let me tell you guys, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to God, and it's a big deal to your mind and your heart. 
Because what happens is we get desensitized and we allow ourselves to be desensitized, like, oh, that's not a big deal. Really? So that violent crime and that woman being raped and this and that, you think, oh, it's just part of the show. But what happens is it, it desensitizes us to, that's not good, that's not okay, and that shouldn't be. But it's not a big deal to us because it's just a movie. But what happens is the more we watch stuff like that, and the more we put things in our minds and our hearts, in reality, when that stuff happens, we, we start to downplay it. And even more so, we downplay it when we know of the person or we, it, the person's on somebody we think are good or, or not good. I mean, when somebody that we don't like does something bad, we're like, lock them up, throw away the key. Have you seen this with people? When somebody, when somebody who is liked and does something bad, well, it was, it was an accident. It wasn't that bad. Like, you know, and it's like people make excuses. We, we see that in political realms. We see that on all forms of life. But more than anything, I want to bring it back to us. Your walk with God matters. He wants your whole heart. He wants my whole heart. So my question to you is, is are you guarding your heart? And or are you allowing other things to occupy your heart other than the Lord? Are you drawing near to God? Are you making an effort to draw near to God? Are you resisting the enemy? Are you alert at always? Like First Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Are you looking around? Are you aware of your surroundings? Are you alert? Um, again, you ever had somebody come up to the car and, and all of a sudden um, um, we, were, we went to the uh, Stranger Things drive-through experience a while, like at Christmas time. And uh, on one of the levels, they, it was dark and then people would like slam on the window and shine a light. And you're like, what? You know, and stuff. You didn't see him because the whole parking structure was dark. And, and all of a sudden, like, you're, you're, like, freaked out. You're like, what? What was that? And stuff. And then, um, but that's happened to, to, to me even here, you know. Like, um, the other day I pulled over here in the parking lot. And I, I rolled up my windows and locked the doors because I thought somebody's going to come out. And I'm, I, was, I pulled over because I had to do some texting and email. And I, but I was leaving. And I like, you know what? Somebody's gonna try to probably pop out and, and scare me or something, or try to doesn't, you know. So I, I, while I pulled over, I rolled up my windows and I locked the doors so I could like, okay, if they're gonna do. So I was preparing myself just in case somebody tried to do that to me. So if they did it, then I'd be like, oh ha ha, you didn't scare me, because I was aware and I was alert. The reason why I did that is because. It's happened before, and I wasn't aware, and I wasn't alert. And I don't like that feeling, that startle. You know that startle feeling where you're like, uh. You're like, your heart's racing and stuff because you actually thought some creeper was coming to get you or whatever, right? That's what I was saying earlier, ladies. Be aware of your surroundings, especially the guys too. But ladies, I just don't trust those people walking through the parking lot trying to sell candy or do this and that. There's too many people with drugs and other things in their system that are just scary out there. And I would hate for you to be hurt because you weren't paying attention. 
I'd much rather you claw their eyes out and beat them up and hurt them. <laughs> but um, if you had to. <laughs> God wants us to be concerned with Him. And He wants us to draw near to Him. And I'll end with this. Hebrews says this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's it. We need to fix our eyes on the Lord. He is the one who's going to help us. So you got to stay aware of your surroundings. Be alert and understand that the enemy comes in and wants to pull you away, even within the church. So resist the enemy. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw near to God. And the Bible promises in verse 8, he'll draw near to you. Let's pray.